0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is episode four, and I'm going to start this off by saying, um, trigger warning here, I am going to be talking about some more sad situations. Uh, I won't get into, you know, horrific, extreme detail, but if you're real sensitive to that, um, you might want to skip this one over because a lot of our stories in animal shelter situations Um, can be pretty sad. And uh, these ones are are just a few of them. Um, So back when I started, we basically did... um, We were the pound, so we took in stray animals, we took in surrendered animals, ones that people just didn't want. Um, But we also did cruelty investigations and we did neglect investigations. Um, That was before we had any involvement with, um, a bigger governing body, um, for that. We were, um, operating on our, on our own basically. And we had some power, um, through our city. So I know that that makes it kind of vague, but, (laughs) uh, that's, that's the easy explanation. So we did cruelty investigations and we would get calls, tons and tons of calls, um, Every week we would get calls to go investigate, and a lot of the times it was um, our two officers would go out, and then if they needed help, um, like if they needed more bodies to help handle and bring back animals, we, you know, for seizures and that, then some of us would get tagged in. Um, So I did do several of those, obviously, myself, too, Um, and... It was always tough, but you kind of get in the zone where at the time you're doing it, it's you just got to get it done. You have to get it done. You have to get these animals out of the situations they're in. So you go into um, kind of robot mode for that where you have to kind of close off as much as you can and, and not think too much. Um, I do remember um, one of my first... Investigations that I was part of, and, and it turned into a seizure. Um, we were really short. So, on this one, this particular one, um, I ended up going out on this, and a couple of my co workers as well. Um, that also included the boss at the time, and it included her daughter who was grown. Um, those two were a funny combination. Uh, they bickered a lot, (laughs) and so in the midst of everything, the boss would be kind of coming unglued, and then her daughter would aggravate her, and they'd be bickering, and, you know, it was comical, even though we weren't doing a comical job, um, but I do remember being on one in particular, and she, um, had gone up first and was talking to this lady who had tons and tons of cats, um. Most of them were sick, they had runny eyes. Um, thankfully with this one, um, none of them were at the point where they were really seriously sick at, at that stage, so we were able to intervene before it got to that, but they were still um, sick and needed medication, and, and this lady scuffling around telling us how dare we show up when she was just getting ready to medicate everybody. And, I mean, obviously it was a complete lie. And my boss was one where she's not going to listen to your bullshit. She's going to call you out on it. And she did <laughs> with with no uh, softening of words. And I just remember this lady in the midst of all this as she's bustling around for some reason. And it was early. It was early in the morning. She was dressed in gold lame with gold heels on. <laughs> And it it was just the strangest thing because she's in this apartment, uh, it was kind of like a duplex maybe, she was on the top floor um, with these stairs leading up that were not safe (laughs) and she's wearing this gold lame outfit scuffling around this dirty apartment. It was just strange and we we run into that a lot of times and I know a lot of it's mental health issues, um, but I'll tell you, animal people are very um, interesting. (laughs) Um, And that particular property had um, like a pasture situation where we did have to go check out to see what the horses look like, what the cows look like that. And, you know, whoever else was out there, I think there was chickens and um, maybe a couple uh, goats. (laughs) Um, But I recall going out and being young and not (laughs) schooled in any of this, I went, strutting out into this pasture, and I almost got myself trampled and killed by a horse that was not used to humans at all. Um, That was pretty eye-opening. I didn't expect that, because at 21, you kind of think if you're an animal person and you love them, they're all going to love you. (laughs) So I kind of went into it with that thought. didn't really happen. (laughs) Um, But that seizure, uh, luckily, it was a more tame one that broke me in a little more gently. Um, the next one, I, I was not as lucky. Um, we had um, a situation with a woman who was a regular of ours, uh, well-known. She had had, again, a lot of mental health issues. Um, unfortunately, she did have a couple special needs kids in her care that um, I believe a daughter um, died from neglect and And it was just a a really bad situation, and she was living out in the county. And when we got to the house, there was, I think, four of us to start out with, me, Carlo, um, Denise, and one of the girls who worked in the finance department, Kathy. Um, And we get out there, and Denise and Kathy both realized they needed to go to the bathroom. And uh, so Kathy didn't live too far away, and she said, "Let's, let's go to my house well they left we didn't see them after (laughs) so it was it was just carlo and i on this one and i remember just being so shocked that this property the whole side of the house looked as if some giant had just grabbed the wall and ripped it out and dropped the wall on the ground and the contents of the house were spilling out and she had cats galore there were cats everywhere and we didn't know where she was um we didn't know, we, we had been told, you know, uh, in more like the recent times that she could be pretty nasty, so we didn't really know what to expect. We also had been told she had a grown son that was kind of prone to violence too, and this property was so hoarded up, you couldn't see properly, so you didn't know somebody could easily be hiding or you know, just see us and jump out, that type of thing. There was also tons of outbuildings we had to check, and there were just cats everywhere. Um, there was cats everywhere, and there were um, like domesticated ducks and a lot of deceased ducks, and a lot of them were under um, some of these outbuildings, and me being the youngest one and <laughs> lower seniority, I was the one who was having to crawl under to get them. And thankfully she never showed up. Um, We were able to do what we needed to do. And I don't even think she contacted us about these. I don't know if we ever did hear from her again. So that kind of made me wonder if possibly she was deceased too in the house somewhere. I don't know. Kind of scary though how you know, you're going in there in these situations to help the animals and you don't know what the humans are capable at this point uh, of and what they're going to do to defend their property and what they think is their rights Um, because usually they think these animals, they have the right to these animals, they're theirs and we're threatening that. So it can be a very, very dangerous situation and um, back then, it it was more common too not saying it's not these days unfortunately it still is um i think our laws are better um so we like organizations have a little bit more to stand on um whereas some of the times we went in there we were kind of bluffing it and you know telling them we had more authority than we did um but one of the worst ones i had been on um a, a man again he was out in like a more remote county um, home and these county homes always seem to have a lot of outbuildings and this one also did they had like sheds barns um, quite a few outbuildings and there were several of us there that day Uh, we had been told there were a lot of animals and right when we pulled up there was a pen in the middle of the yard an open topped pen with a whole whack of puppies in the, like just in the direct sign, no water, nothing like that. And their water system was well. And when we tried to, we wanted to just give some water just to, you know, while we were gathering our thoughts and, and our plans, um, the well water, the well wasn't even working. So we don't know when the last time these animals did have water, how they were getting water. We had to uh, recruit a neighbor to kind of help us out with that, and we were using, like, buckets from his property to to bring water over just to get these animals something while we were getting our our plans together. Um, Now, when we went in the house, it it was like a horror scene. Um, First of all, it was an extreme hoard situation. So, you know, you see the show Hoarders nowadays, It was straight out of that, but with animals added, unfortunately. And in the house, he had a lot of cats. There was all kinds of cats, and a lot of them were purebred cats. So this guy was what you would call a backyard breeder. Um, The animals were kept in deplorable conditions. Um, The cats... Upstairs, there, there was, it was like a two story house, and the cats upstairs were all, there was cage after cage after cage, just stuffed full of cats that were completely acting feral at this point from lack of food. They had been attacking each other and worse. Um, and we stood there for a minute trying to think how we're going to get these guys out safely and not lose any of them because they were feral. And, you know, it's safe for us as well. And our thought was the only thing we could really do at first was to just dump a whole ton of food in there, let them eat first. And that's what we ended up doing. And the second the first kibbles went in, it was terrifying how these cats just jumped on it and on each other. And I had opened the door to one a little bit just to kind of throw some food in easier and, of course, they dove at me. And as I, st- I took a step back, my co-worker, Carlo, grabbed me. I had almost fallen through a hole in the floor. That would have taken me right down to the first floor. Um, that's how um, dilapidated this entire house was. So that, that could have been a pretty bad injury right there. So I was <laughs> saved by my co-worker. Um, but I we had um, all of, we had staff members show up we had the vet that we were using at the time show up and we were all just going through and just taking animals 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 and and he opened the one door which we thought led to a basement but it actually led to just like a, like a crawl space under the house and when he shone the flashlight there was just piles of bones down there. So that's where this guy would throw the deceased animals and all of us just stood there quiet for a few minutes. Like to, to take that in and absorb it was just very, very tough. Um, it was tough for the ones that had been there a long time and it was especially um, tough being fairly new. By that point I had already been there a few years but still it was, it was shocking. Um, so we were there for hours, um, loading up animals. This, this guy had so many different breeds of dogs. So again, definitely backyard breeder. Um, he had Dobermans, he had smaller dogs like Boston Terriers. He had, um, minpin types. He had Chihuahuas. Um, he had Borzois, which at the time we just didn't have in our area. I mean, you really don't see them much now either, but he had a, a lot of borzois. I'm thinking like probably like close to 20. Um, all in all, this seizure, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was over a hundred um, dogs alone. Cats were probably at least that. And he had a, he had like some albino raccoons even. Um, just just crazy. Um, So I remember we had van after van after van loaded up. They would go back to the shelter, come back with the cages empty. And I was in one of the last vans to leave and we were stuffed to the limits. And I decided to take one last run back into this one barn because I remembered seeing a cage that we thought was empty So I went back and I oh my god there's a Doberman puppy in this cage and thank god I went back. Well I opened the cage, pulled out the Doberman. It was the skinniest adult Doberman I've seen in my life and this dog, I don't know how long it had been in there. It was in a cat carrier, a typical plastic airplane carrier and when I pulled this dog out it it stumbled. Um, It had a hard time walking and it's all started to hit me at that point. It all started to just completely hit me like bricks, and I was trying to keep it together walking back, and this, this dog is staggering. It was so hard for him to walk, and my vehicle was completely full at this point, so my only choice was to let him sit on the front seat, and it was a bench seat, older vehicle, and that dog sat there with his head in my lap, and he kept looking up at me occasionally, and I, I, he was so skinny, I just didn't know where to pet. Um, It was like petting a skeleton, and I I broke down. I had to pull over. Um, I remember just sobbing, absolutely sobbing, just sickening that a human can do this. And the hard part is that most humans in these situations, I feel like they start out with the right intentions. I feel like they start out loving animals and thinking they're going to rescue them. This guy, maybe not so much. This guy was a backyard breeder for money. Um, But the other ones, most of them, I'm pretty sure they start out thinking they're going to save the world and they get in over their heads and they just don't know what to do. And unfortunately, I can understand that, but I, I just can't understand how you can't see that it's getting out of control. And how you can ask for help. There is help out there, and we've always been willing to help. Even back then, we used to um, run a food bank for people needing help for their pets. We did that for years, and we still contribute um, to the pet food bank. It's it's not on site anymore, but we still contribute. And it's it's just hard, you know. You can you can only. Um, you can't find comfort in thinking, well, it's mental health. They don't mean this. It, when you're on our end of it, you can't find comfort in that. You can't, that doesn't make it any easier. Let's put it that way. And I'll tell you, the words um, compassion fatigue are, it, it's a real thing. And all of us have suffered with it. I know this. Um, to this day, I still do. And for me, it doesn't affect me in the way of, I care less. I find that I'm extremely guarded, animal-wise, when I'm off the clock. I can't listen to a single sad story. I won't watch movies because I'm afraid there's going to be a sad animal scene. Um, I, if I see any news article on animals, I, I don't look at it. Um, now with the internet and TikTok and YouTube and animal videos are so popular. I, I'm extremely, extremely selective and cautious for what I'll watch. I have people that will send me videos knowing I'm obviously in in this field, they'll send me videos. Isn't this awful? And I, I can't watch them. I delete <laughs> and I tell people, do not send me animal videos. I have to keep my strength up for my my time at work, so that I can be um, effective at my job. Still, um, it takes such a toll on you, and that compassion fatigue. Um, some people never learn how to um, kind of keep it at bay, and, and I'm not saying that as an insult in any means. I'm not saying I'm better than them because I'm still there. I, I don't mean that at all. Um, Because it it does eat away at me too. And I just, I have to be very, very careful with myself and my time and um, how I spend it. Um, It's hard for me even in the sense of when people will want to tell me about how sick their pet is or how, you know, they just lost their pet and it's hard Um, day in and day out. It's, it's a lot. Um, but I am very thankful that I've been able to help in ways I can because at least I feel a little bit less powerless. Um but it doesn't make it any easier. Um before I end this episode though, I do have a good funny story of a situation where I, I ended up out on a call. Um Three of us did, and I don't remember what we were going to look at and why there was three of us, but Carlo was driving, Denise was in the passenger seat, and young little me was stuffed on the floor between their two seats because our van, the whole back was emptied out for cages. And we were out in the county again, (laughs) and uh, we got a call in the midst of where we were going about an injured goose or geese um, in this field. So we pull, we get up to this field, we pull over and we're looking and we see a bunch of geese like in the middle of the field. Well, then it starts to rain. Not real hard. It just started to rain though. And these two pulled rank. (laughs) I don't blame them now to this day. At this point, I don't blame them, but guess who got to go out in that muddy wet field? That was me, the newbie. And I'm like, oh, whatever. It's it's just raining. And it happened to be November. It was cold. But I like the cold weather, so I'm fine. I could do this. And I go tromping on out there. Well, then it started to torrential downpour. And I'm talking like hurricane rain. <laughs> that might be a bit dramatic, but it was raining a lot. And we used to have radios um, to communicate with our office, uh, much like what the police have. So, They were like the big bulky, um, like a walkie-talkie radio. And while I'm going through this rainstorm, this typhoon, um, I remember turning and looking back. And it was raining so hard I couldn't even see the van. And I thought, did those two leave me here? (laughs) I couldn't see anything. And luckily I didn't get turned around direction-wise because it was possible. I was far out in this field and I started to try to move quicker to get this over with and my shoes kept getting stuck because it was very thick mud and I would pull my foot up and my shoe would come off I'd have to stop and put it back on and on the meantime the office is calling me and it was Janice who's on the desk and she's like where are you guys and and all she hears in the background is me in the middle of this insane rainstorm and she's like what are you doing and I'm all out of breath, and told her, I'm going to get this goose. I'm going to save this goose. Well, I finally get close to the geese. I see the one that is quote-unquote injured. Well, of course, can you guess what happened? I got 10 feet from it, and he flew. He was not injured. He was fine. So I had to turn around, come back. Thankfully, they had not left me there. They were still waiting in the car, cracking up laughing. They're sitting in this dry, warm van, they have music going. They're both drinking a pop. And there's goofy me rescuing this goose that didn't need rescuing. Um, we had a good laugh about that for quite a while after, but I was drenched to the bone. <laughs> and, and I was told at that time, I, I got a pat on the back from Carlo, and he said, good job, Lore," Because he said, I, I did good, and I was willing to go out in, in the field. <laughs> I didn't really have a choice in my eyes um but you know stuff like that it's you can look back on it and laugh um obviously I was pretty glad the goose was okay but it was uh there was no other way to do it but to go tramping through that field and my coworkers and I were always willing to do stuff like that um the animals always come first and if it's an animal in distress you drop everything and and go <laughs> and uh Hopefully, you hope that it's a case where the goose flies off. Um, that's that's the better scenario. Um, but even in the situations where we do have to do a seizure and and we do have to see horrible stuff like that, I am still very glad that I am able to do something. Um, as an animal lover, it it brings me some comfort to know I'm doing something I wish these scenarios didn't exist in the world but unfortunately they do and at least I'm able to help when I can Um, so hopefully I'll still be able to do that for all of my years still I still have quite a few years um, to work so I intend to continue to do my very best Um, But in the meantime, I also intend to share my stories. So I hope you will come back for my next episode. I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about in the next one. I think I might just wing it. I won't make it a sad one, though. I'll I'll spare you guys some of the sadness in the next one. Um, But hopefully you'll keep coming back. If you uh, decide to, please like and share. And I will keep telling you stories from my 29 years as an animal shelter worker.